0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd,
1: 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See
0: official rules at frito Hello,
1: friends. Kirk Henderson, Mavs Moneyball. Welcome to an episode of Kirk, Your Enthusiasm. I'm joined today by my friend from Silver Screen and Roll and SB Nation, Anthony Irwin. How are you doing?
2: I'm good, man. Just ate some some sopa de fideos. It's a, it's a little cloudy out right now, so it kind of finally starts to feel like winter out here. It's
1: great. Everything's good. <laughs> yeah, before we start, I wanted to apologize to people. I'm sorry I didn't get up the, the normal green room after the Mavericks beat the Hornets last night. Um, just had some stuff happen in the house, and I was either going to be able to do it at like one in the morning or not at all, and they beat the crap out of the Hornets so badly there really wasn't much to talk about. Um And I wanted to talk to Anthony here because uh, we're uh, our two teams are getting ready to face off in the first annual December Sadness Bowl of a pair of (laughs) kind of teams with lofty expectations playing some odd basketball. I just I I wanted to sort of start off with if you could kind of walk us through, you know, through the first third of the season, what are like some of the main plot points for the Lakers season that that you've found uh, so far? Uh well first and foremost, injuries. You know, LeBron has missed about half the Lakers game
2: so far. Uh they still haven't seen Trevor Ariza on the court, still haven't seen Kendrick Nunn. Might not see Kendrick Nunn this year, to really? be honest. Yeah, it's 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 really weird the way that they've handled his uh the information surrounding his injury. It was like, yeah, he'll be out a few weeks. Okay, maybe he'll be out a little bit longer than that. Oh all right, we'll see him next year. <laughs> it's it's just it's super weird. Um so uh, and then, and then, you know. So after the injuries and 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 uh, and all of that, and, you know, now we're starting to get to the uh, hey, they're finally starting to turn things around portion of the season, where it reminds me a lot of the uh, of the year that they had Dwight, where the, the Dwight Dwightmeyer season, where Mike D'Antoni was restarting the season every mm. time they won, and you know that's the kind of thing that you do if you're trying to light a fire under a team that. You know, and this is the third kind of note and the third real theme here in terms of the actual basketball that they're playing. They just have so many old guys who just don't really respect the regular season. So, you know, they'll they'll get up for certain matchups, or if they're getting embarrassed, they'll they'll really kind of play with a little bit more pride. But asking them to to be focused heading into a game against the Memphis Grizzlies without John Morant, you know, it was just. It, Everybody knew who that game was going, how that game was going to go, and it it went that way. and And then they won. I think the next game and said, "All right, season starts now." And it's just like, shut up and play, please. Just just, like, mm. just, just please stop. Please stop saying all the right things because they're they're smart enough to know what they should be saying and what fans would want to hear about their approach to the season. Uh, it just feels very disingenuous when they say those things and then immediately turn around and play like the 2021 Lakers had.
1: So, of the you know, for anybody that hasn't paid any attention to basketball, I don't really know how you would not know this. But the Lakers ended up trading for Russell Westbrook, one of the kind of more surprising moves of the summer. Right as um, it seemed like they're about to land Buddy Heal and become the a, a true like three point barrage fest, they instead went another direction and, and got Russell Westbrook. How has his season gone? Because I think that the narrative is really trailing his play, at least on a national level.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of the people who made up their minds about Russell Westbrook heading into this season have refused to take into account how he's been playing lately. And yeah, you know, I I really haven't had much of an issue with Russ. Now I had low expectations. I didn't I didn't head into the season thinking like, all right, everything hinges on this guy, because if it did, the Lakers were screwed. And and so for the way that he's played so far, it's been very Russell Westbrook. He has defensive lapses and he isn't the best shooter and he doesn't know that he's the best shooter. He thinks he is the best shooter, but he isn't. And, and, and yet despite that, you know, lately he's been trying to get to the rim a lot more often and uh, he's shooting a, a lot more catch and shoot threes, which I don't mind as much. It's the off the dribble kind of hezy three pointer that, as soon as he shoots at everybody in the gym just kind of slaps their forehead. And and you know the, the way that he's playing with LeBron and the way he's playing with A D, uh I I just think you know it's an it's an iffy fit. And then it's kind of exacerbated by the role players that are surrounding them. And then the role players that Frank Vogel is using of the role players that they're already kind of surrounded by. So uh, I have I, thought, like, of the Lakers' issues so far this year, Russ is pretty far down the list.
1: It's funny you say that about role players. I wanted to get to this later, but um, one of our mutual friends, uh, I think he writes, I think he does work at Lakers' Outsiders, Raj. Uh, mm-hmm. He pitched to me in the DMs the other day. He said, what do you think about Dwight Powell for uh, DeAndre Jordan? And I was like, I've had DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, I never want DeAndre Jordan ever again. Uh, well, we'll circle back to the to the role players a little later. So I think the the thing that that I found most that I've kind of covered most intently, you know, I, I, I have a love hate relationship with LeBron. I'll appreciate him more when he's gone, but I found that I've always found the AD conversation, the discourse surrounding him to be wildly outside any sort of actual like basketball consistency because he, we would all agree he's probably skill level wise a top three player in the league. I mean, he's just an unbelievable collection of skills and size and everything, but the play has always been inconsistent for a variety of reasons. This year, it seems like he has not really played very well at all. And I don't entirely understand why. Well, so he's been better than
2: uh, he hasn't been. He hasn't played well at all. He's been, he's been for him. I mean, he's just, he's a superstar. Yeah, so like I, I, it's been a weird vibe to him this year. Like, production wise, numbers wise, he's actually been fine. I, like, you know, uh, I would say he's probably been like a top, you know, 10, 15 player in the league so far this year. Okay. Uh, you know, but, but like, that's just in terms of raw production. If you look at the impact he's having on the game, I don't, I don't think it's, it's, where you would expect somebody with his talent level to be. And, you know, this is the most that I've ever seen him put his hands on his knees while he's playing out there. And the mm-hmm. most that I've ever seen him walk while he's out on a basketball court. And, and the least I've ever really seen him sprint on a basketball court, especially like rim running kind of stuff. That just, you know, if, if he leaks out ahead of uh, the 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 defense, it's usually because he started the the, the possession with a couple steps ahead of him. He's not really beating people down the floor this year. And um, yeah, another issue with him this year is much like Russ, he has convinced himself that he's a jump shooter and he's just not, he's just, you know, he has um, very inconsistent footwork in preparing for jumping for, for, for jump shooting. And sometimes he wants to go one, two jump and sometimes he hops into it and sometimes he goes mm. right, left and other times it's left, right. and You know, you could do that stuff if you're Ray Allen, if you're Steph Curry, if you're an incredible, incredible shooter, you can be that kind of inconsistent with the starting point of your jumper. But he isn't that, you know, he he has a hitch at the top of his shot. And um, there are times where he shoots a mid-range jumper and you say, wow, I don't know how he ever misses. And then he'll shoot a three-pointer and you say, wow, I don't know how he ever makes it. And, (laughs) and, And that's kind of... You know, it'd be one thing if he recognized that, and I've kind of likened him to the Seinfeld line, in uh, where where he has the I think it's a rental car reservation, and he shows up and he asks the lady, "Hey, uh, do you, do you have my reservation?" She says, "So we took the reservation. We appear to have lost the reservation." And he said, "Well, anybody can take reservations." the important step there is keeping the reservation. That's, that's the important one. And and I think with AD, it's like anybody can take these jump shots. The important part is making the, jump. <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the key here. And, and, and I, you know, I find myself just kind of, and what's funny also is, and again, this is where it's funny, where, where statistically he is shooting a, a higher percentage of shots at the rim than he had in previous years. and, and statistically, you know, it, his his shot profile isn't necessarily that bad. It's just that the jumpers are so loudly bad, it feels like he's missing and taking
1: so many more of them. Right, right. Okay, that's really interesting. I've also heard, and I never know what to do about these because I am I deal with this with Luka Doncic as we cover him. I've, I've heard the occasional thing about how he looks like he's carrying a little too much mm-hmm. Weight now, not necessarily like Luca, who's kind of heavy, but like muscle, like just kind of bulked up just enough to where it makes him, it might rob him of some of his kind of like his special quickness.
2: Yeah. Well, and 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 quick verticality too. When when mm. AD is really special, he's up in the air really fast. And the, the Lakers played the Celtics a, a week or so or a couple of weeks back. And uh they had uh they were playing against Time Lord, or he was playing against Time Lord. And and Robert Williams was just head and shoulders above the rim, it felt like every single play there for a stretch. And and a lot of those times that he was head and shoulders above the rim, A D was like like elbow at the rim or mm-hmm. or like forearm at the rim. And and I think one thing so he was preparing himself apparently for playing more center this year. And the way that he went about it was to bulk up, to, to add a little bit more muscle and, and to get himself ready for, you know, those those physical, you know, shoving matches that you see in, inside. If you're going up against Joel Embiid, if you're going sure. up against uh, Nikola Jokic, Rudy Gobert, uh, I, I just think I just think there's there's kind of a disconnect between his perception of the position and the way that the position can be played. Uh-huh. He thinks of it as, you know, '90s back to the basket, go down there, fight for position, and, and, you know, utilize physicality. And, you know, if in the modern league, some of the most valuable centers, the, some of the most impactful centers are more, yeah, you, you spread out the floor, you give them a runway, and they catch the ball from four, 14 feet up, and they throw the ball down with authority. And and I think that is the best version of Anthony Davis, the, the kind of guy who, all right, if the, the, the court is spaced enough, you put him in the pick and roll. Russ is actually a very good pick and roll and definitely a good lob thrower. Um, and and AD gets up there and, and he finishes above the defense or over the defense. And, yep. and a couple of years ago when the Lakers were, were won a championship, that was their – they played volleyball on teams. They had – they had JaVale McGee going up and, and catching the ball well above the rim. You had Anthony Davis going up and catching the ball well above the rim. And then you had Dwight, who isn't at that, that he was never able to get as high as those guys, but he was still Dwight freaking Howard. So he could sure. still get, you know, he could still get up there and impact the, the, the game from on high. And and I think with, with this kind of inconsistent perception or, or, or frankly, incorrect perception of of the way that the position can be played or the way that he most successfully plays the position. He's really thrown himself off. Because the other thing, too, is, and you've seen this, KP has this to him, where both those guys would rather, would rather go around or over the top of defenders, but they don't really want to go through defenders. Right. Neither of those guys do. And AD adding bulk to himself and still being kind of reluctant to be physical and go through defenders. Like, what's the it. point? <laughs> yeah, he hasn't. I would love to see him Kirk, commit a charge, like run somebody over. Shaq, Shaq used to do that on purpose. He would, he mm-hmm. would know going into a game that if he was going up against Dikembe Matumbo or Vlade Divac, that like if those guys pick up a charge, they've leaping earned it, right? Like they, 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 they caught an elbow to the chops, and uh, and you know it hurt, and it reminded them, like, all right, if you're gonna stand in here and take a charge, it's gonna hurt. And I think with AD. If you're gonna bulk up like that, you have to be willing to send those kinds of physical messages
1: well. It's really interesting. I'm glad you touched on the the Porzingis thing, um, because their matchup is gonna be I normally love watching Luca and LeBron because Luca loves playing against LeBron. And LeBron I mean, loves like, playing against Luca. Yeah. And yeah, there's just a real I think um the story didn't get told at the time, but when Luca was like waiting outside of the Lakers locker room after the first time they matched up. A little later on, it came out from someone, I don't remember who, that that, like, annoyed the shit out of LeBron. Um, mm. But that was before Luca had re- – like, Luca was good his rookie year, and then his second year, Luca was great. Like, it was just yeah. a decided difference. It was like a stepping up a level, and LeBron always speaks so glowingly of Luca, which, I mean, he – you know, Le- LeBron's a game – a historian of the game. Like, he, he really – he does a great job, like, talking about other players in context. I really mm-hmm. – one of the things I love about LeBron. But this – this Porzingis um, KP matchup is going to be kind of interesting because Porzingis' numbers are pretty. Like his PER is up. I don't really understand how because he's shooting eight percent worse from the three point line. But overall, like Porzingis is looking, he's looking significantly better movement wise than he was last year, and he couldn't guard AD at all. And so I'm looking forward to seeing if the Mavericks try him for 10 minutes at a time just to kind of bother AD because, Mm -hmm. you know, being seven foot three is a skill and he, it's just that sort of thing is going to be worth watching because both these teams are a little bit grindy sometimes, um, yeah. You no, know, uh, I I'm looking forward to this matchup. I always like playing the Lakers. Fans always turn out. It's going to be a great time. Um, it's in Dallas. Isn't the game in Dallas? Yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. a six thirty oh, start time local, which is the um, mm-hmm. but it also means you and I's evenings get over with. Yeah, that, I was going to say I, I'm not complaining about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm 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 looking forward to this matchup. It's always fun to to see where we are. Mm-hmm. I will say that I think I'm I'm rather surprised. It, you know not at this moment but compared to the start of the regular season this was one of those games i had circled to say oh this is going to be a matchup for a pair of teams who are going to compete for like three four five six um mm-hmm. the lakers have righted the ship more than the mavericks certainly have but i i, I i'm just this will be a this will be a real real fun one i don't think i don't think Luca should play i do think Luca will play um because he loves playing against lebron and loves nationally televised games but he is not his ankle is not in a good spot um it just it's one it's his plant foot so and it's the one that he uses to step back so it's like you know we've all rolled our ankles like that shit hurts it just affects you over time but um yeah this is this is kind of exactly exactly what i'd wanted to talk to you about because i i I follow the Lakers pretty closely because I just have so many Southern California friends, but some of the specifics I think can get lost because you assume um, you just assume, and this is a good assumption. It's historically backed that a LeBron James anchored team is going to be pretty dang good at basketball and the Lakers are turning around, but it's still kind of funky. Is that a fair assessment?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Look, they, they have, Uh, LeBron AD Russ THT and none and everybody else is on minimum contracts and Mm. it was funny because at the time of the offseason you know if you look at every signing in its own vacuum without any additional context to it you would say oh well you know Monk at a minimum that's slightly below market value or or you know better than market value there's uh there's oh you they, they were able to bring back Dwight at a minimum. That's that's nice. He was good for the Lakers a, a couple of years ago. And oh Wayne Ellington at the minimum. That's that's you know, that's another shooter and, and and it like if you just look at them individually, it's it's it you know, you could convince yourself, yeah, it was a good offseason because I liked in every individual ingredient. But like, you know, I really enjoy scallops and I also really enjoy PB and J sandwiches. <laughs> but I don't really like scallops in my PB and J sandwiches. You know those ingredients. They have to if you're if you're putting a roster together, it's more of a stew. You, those those ingredients have to make more sense alongside each other. And yeah. and I think you know with a lot of these role players, uh, you have guys who are offense first, and you have guys who are reputed to be defense first. And and I think for where the Lakers are currently standing, Vogel is a different defense first head coach. And he is still like holding on tight to the idea that he can make the Lakers a defense first kind of identity. And, and that's just not going to happen. And until he really kind of figures that out, LeBron, Russ, AD aren't going to have the space to really be the tie that lifts the role players around them. And, you know, whether that happens is is going to be really interesting. I I, I kind of think, it's it's a lot of the same stuff like you called both these teams grindy. That's exactly what you're talking about. Both mm-hmm. these both these head coaches have these perceptions of what they think this team should be or what they think a team should be, but the best coaches, they adapt to the team, the team that they're actually coaching. Mm. And the sooner the sooner that both Kid and Vogel adapt to the roster that they actually have in front of them, they're both kind of going to Just trudge through muck and finish the season at like slightly above five hundred. When both these teams should be a bit above, a bit more above five hundred than that.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if anything, the Mavs roster, and I think the the Lakers are just sort of an extreme version of of you know, if this was twenty twelve, LeBron, I think you kind of feel differently about the roster. Mm -hmm. But it's just he's an older guy. Russ is an older guy. The Mavericks. What we've learned. I, I'm just gonna say I don't care. T- this is a podcast for people who really who ha- happen to not hate me. But mm-hmm. I, this man's roster has been bad for a while. It's yeah. that Carlisle was the kid glue that held it together, and Kid has done his best, but he's just not. It's not at a certain point it's not all on him and then so what is like the, the Mavericks I wouldn't be surprised you know it's like we've been talking lately like if 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 Luka doesn't play in this game then this is probably going to be a pretty one-handed affair um unless rest just like shoots you, know, you I, out of it
2: I'm tell ta- I'm telling you right now if Luca doesn't play then the Lakers are probably going to kind of finish the first half like maybe up like three or five or something like that or even down uh because they just don't they don't respect the sport the way that they should like, right you know if if Luca is playing, you know LeBron sees Luca across from him, and both those guys try to get up, and and I think the Lakers kind of match LeBron's energy here. But mm. uh, if if Luca doesn't play and LeBron doesn't have that energy to go, Russ will try to go out there and play hard. But a lot of times, like you're talking about, Russ playing hard means he's he's taking more shots, and that's not what you need. Like that's not. That's not you. You need LeBron dictating the kind of shots that he is taking and and dictating the the way that the Lakers go here. Um, it's still kind of unclear whether Anthony Davis plays in this one because he's missed the last couple games with knee soreness. So, uh, yeah, I could if Luca. I'm actually more nervous about how this game goes if Luca doesn't play than if he does.
1: Yep, yep. That'll be interesting because the the Mavericks just have a hard time scoring without Luca. They did okay against the the. Uh I keep calling wanted to call them Charlotte Bobcats. Yeah, bet bet so that's the End if you guys
2: are listening. Uh, bet the Ender in this one.
1: <laughs> and it's it's it'll be it'll be fun. I'm I'm looking forward to this one. I'm gonna be um actually out in Washington, DC. So I'll be covering it a little bit later. But um thank you for taking time out of your work day to talk to me. We will uh we'll connect back because I think these teams play each other at least two more times. The the these games are usually nationally televised for I think the reasons that we're looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, yeah, thank you for for having me and and uh for those of you who are going to be watching the game anyway, uh I usually go live for the last 5 minutes of these nationally televised games. Um they're on the pressure cooker, so uh check that out and hop in the oh, that's fun. hop in the uh yeah, hop in the uh, comment section and call me an idiot. I'm I'm all for all of that.
1: <laughs> Guys, this has been Kirk Henderson and Anthony Irwin of Silver Screen and Roll uh who he he recently got a promotion on national television as Nick Wright addressed him and not uh his his boss and our and our good friend Harrison which i, I congratulations on that promotion that's one of the funniest things i've ever seen and i we i can't believe we're not talking about this more um, yeah no I, I it was
2: it was fun to learn about my promotion from somebody on fox sports but you know what you take promotions as they come. <laughs> right before right before contract negotiations and everything it
1: was fantastic just send the clip to everyone all right man you have a good day guys uh I'm not sure when to run this but uh we'll see so thanks for listening and I will talk with you guys after the Mavs Lakers game today's episode is brought to you by cars.com